Hello, and welcome to Personalized Learning with Matt and Courtney. This is Matt. This is Courtney. What do we do here, Courtney? Well, we talk through the do-dos and the don't-dos of personalized learning. We do, don't we? Yeah, we do. Hey, we missed last week. We did. I was sick. You were sick? Yeah, but you had and something. I was gone. You were gone. I was gone. I was in Russia. You were in Russia. Yep, I had a great time in Russia. What were you doing in Russia? We were talking about what we do in our district and how we cultivate hope in our learners and spreading that message across the world. Wow. Yeah, pretty much. That's pretty exciting. It was very exciting, and I met all kinds of nice people, and they were they were very interesting and very interested in what we were doing. Uh, so it's nice spreading the word to people who are like-minded. So we have some guests today, Courtney. Yeah, we do. I'm so excited. Yes. It's what? like, it's a special podcast day because we're in the same building, and we have two very special guests with us. We usually, this is our, this is our first guest podcast of the year, isn't it? It is. I think it is. It is. All right, why don't you go ahead and introduce them. Yeah, so we have with us two amazingly brilliant women from KnowledgeWorks. We have Lori Phillips and Robin Kanan. Welcome. Hi, Courtney and Matt. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. Hi, you guys. That was a great introduction. Wow. It's true. It's true. We've worked with them for a long time now. And um, yeah. Kind of surprised we haven't had them on the podcast. So, I know, first time uh, on the pod. Yeah, yay! We know they listen and they, they've helped spread the word. Um, so often when we're kind of setting up for a podcast, the, the topic that we end up talking about is either one that someone's put up on the parking lot or a carryover from another episode, or sometimes it's just what we happen to be talking about when we see each other. Exactly. Yeah, and that's kind of what happened today. So the topic that we're going to talk about today comes from Lori. And um, it just kind of happened as we were sitting around and she was just like, you know what I've been thinking about? <laughs> and we said, what? Tell us what you've been thinking about. So, Lori, what have you been thinking about in learning lately? What I've been thinking about in learning lately is the learning environment. So Robin and I, and I have had the opportunity lately to do classroom walkthroughs across the country. And as we're seeing trends and patterns throughout the classrooms, we are seeing this explosion of Pinterest huh. in the classrooms. What do you mean Pinterest? Because that's not necessarily a bad. I mean, you can get some good ideas from Pinterest. You can get some bad ideas from Pinterest. But So what do you mean by Pinterest classroom? Uh, Pinterest classrooms to me um, and what we've started to see is this idea of it, almost a competition between teachers where they're decorating their classrooms. So making their classrooms look like wood paneling or making their classrooms have beautiful frames around the windows. Um, that sounds cool. All of the artwork looks the same. Um, it's pretty. It's very pretty. It's very pretty. But in service of what, I would ask. Oh. And so it feels as though we're missing an opportunity to use the classroom environment for teaching purposes and to be that third teacher rather than who's the decoration for. Okay. All right. So I think you might need to break down this this third teacher concept for us. So the third teacher is uh, a book that we came across several years ago when we were really talking about as one of the conditions for um, personalized learning. Uh, the idea of a flexible learning environment. Yeah. And part of the thinking around a flexible learning environment is the power of how the space helps facilitate the learning and how the space is defined, 
um, how it is um, distributed to support strategies that may be in place uh, within the brick and mortar walls. Mm -hmm. And so as we're um, having this opportunity to um, engage with our, our partners all across the country and to actually be in classrooms, we always, first of all, um, are so happy that it's a, it's a privilege to be there and we love the open door policy. We can actually go in and um, see the learning um, taking place and what's happening between the, between the kids and with the teacher and the kids. We always notice how the space is being utilized. And in the early, um, I would guess, iterations of walkthrough training, I remember that we always used to talk about it as walking the walls. Yes. And so in a, in yes. a three-minute walkthrough, uh, you would walk the walls, and you would look to see how the space in a classroom is being utilized to support the learning. Right. And so you, you would expect to see um, visual uh, visual representations, charts, mm -hmm. uh, anything that would um, you know support a kid's learning to be um, independent, right, where right. they could check themselves with perhaps an anchor chart that's on the wall. Right, or SOPs uh, and flowcharts. SOPs and flowcharts, yeah. and we and particularly love that yeah. when those are not designer-made, um, i.e. Yes. mass-produced, yes. yes. but they're, but the, but the kids have made those. The learners made um, yeah. Another thing we always look for when we're walking the walls are uh, is the student work that's being displayed. Uh -huh. Evidence of student thinking. Mm. And so when Lori talks about this um, Pinterest explosion that we've seen, I mean, to your point, uh, Courtney and Matt, who doesn't love Pinterest? Like, yes, I, I've, I've got a board and I'm pinning all the time. Right. So we're beginning to really think about how does that fit into what's happening in schools. We were in a school last week and the conversation was, we're the oldest building in the district and we don't want it to be uh, a place where kids feel diminished because they have to come to uh, an older building right. where we have so many new right. schools around. Sure. And yeah. so we want teachers to be mindful and yeah. we appreciate that they are in trying to make that space welcoming and warm and inviting yeah. um, and, and visually pleasing. What we have been talking about that we think is really the continuum kind of swinging way to the other side is not to forget or to backseat this idea that it in fact is a learning space, a space that would facilitate, um, as Lori said, kids developing, you know, their neural pathways and and having these personalized experiences. And so with that, we we've got a um, we've just seen some things that have really kind of checked our thinking about what that means. Right. Right. The third space, again, back to that book, is that your space, or the third teacher, excuse me, is, is this idea that space is, is the third teacher. If parents are, or the oh, family absolutely. value is the first, we as the professional um, right. teachers are the second, the third teacher can easily become the environment in which the kids are, are um, learning in. Yeah, that so. makes complete sense to me. Yeah, so, so Courtney, we've talked about on some some other earlier podcasts about the the actual space in the classroom, like where where learners are working right. around tables right. Or, right. or desks. Yeah. But we haven't really gotten to the to the wall part, as Robin no. Morris just mentioned. Right. It's like I talk about the wall piece in training sometimes, especially with workshop model. Well, and then also with when we do any kind of culture work, the SOPs and the flowcharts, right? The learner made things that go mm -hmm. on the wall, but then the idea of the anchor charts are usually teacher made 
for ease of access. Sure. Um, yeah, those things that go on the wall to kind of support the learning, things that the learners can refer to, um, be independent. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the what's on the walls is just as important, I feel like. And I think the placement of what is on the walls. So some, some of the oh, classrooms yeah. that we were in, it felt very difficult even as an adult learner to know where to focus my eye to what was it what was most important for me to be looking at it felt just it felt so I felt so stimulated in terms of the anchor charts on top of one another versus the SOPs to line up to know how to go to lunch to um, get on the computer or what to do with Wi-Fi but then there are posters and then there are you know decorations and maybe avid trained you know posters that are up or then the district's habits of mind and there was so much that it felt it felt very hard to know what the priorities were right. or how I would use that information to be able to help me as a learner to have agency to know what I needed to do when. Sure. I think that's really interesting to think about. So I'm thinking back to like my teacher training and uh, you know when I was first in the classroom and um, I feel like bulletin I feel like there was a class like on bulletin boards, sure. right? I really I think there actually was like a class dedicated oh. to the bulletin. Not like a semester, but you know, like one well, session. Sure, sure, sure. Um, but yeah, just that idea of like, oh, this is my room now. I'm gonna decorate it. Like, sure. that's absolutely still a part, I think, of who many of us are as teachers. And um, kind of thinking through that whole like one of the mantras we always kind of talk about is like, what can the learners be in charge of that that maybe you don't need to be in charge of anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess I'm starting to think through that with right with a space like. I've encouraged people to have their learners set up their libraries. Like, why not? Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, we've all heard about, you know, um, learners setting up their own classroom. I think you visited a school sure. where that's just like what happens. Yeah. So back to uh, last spring, I visited uh, Design 39 in San Diego. And the idea was the room was completely empty. No furniture, no nothing. The walls were blank. And the ideas were of their first design thinking challenge was how do you want the room to be set up that will support your learning Amazing. the best? And it was great. And so it's not just the furniture in there, but it's also, as you mentioned, the walls. So they wanted to see student work up there, what they could do, not just what the teacher thought might help them, but their actual work. And the and that how does that impact learning? You know, so that intentionality to bring students into the conversation about how does our environment around us impact how we learn? And how we learn best and i you know robin and i have worked in in a school in ohio where the teachers don't have assigned rooms so a lot of their furniture is mobile Uh, a lot of their you know supplies things like that are mobile so you don't it's not the idea of you pick a room and you're in that room for the next 25 years so you really are steeped in this collection of items and student pictures and all of that again is wonderful and it's honoring you know, you as a teacher in in this idea. But so the students would know each morning that they're going to be in the collaboration space or we're going to be in room 209 because of the learning that we're going to do that day and what tasks. And and so that room is conducive because it has tables to allow us to collaborate together or it has labs set up or it has individual because of what we're going to work on and has the technology space. So that idea of teachers not having their you know identified oh, yes, space another adult structure that we don't need right. yep. yeah Absolutely. and and i'm not uh, suggesting for a moment that we don't put up our fall leaf 
um, borders around our bulletin boards. Like, I love those. Yeah, yeah. And I, yeah. I, like, yes, <laughs> yeah. please. And, you know, you have your fabric that you're putting as your balance over your, your classroom door. There, there's, there's a, I think what we're saying is there's a balance. Um, using that classroom space to help kids kind of see into your life, your interests, your passions, your family, your pets, certainly um, is, is uh, I, I think, a really valuable tool. How are you doing that for kids? Right. Where do the kids get a chance to kind of highlight their passions, mm-hmm. their interests, yeah. those little things that may not be readily apparent about them? Another thing that I think we think of and have seen um, equally in walkthroughs is when um, teachers are making the space learner-centered so that the words on the word wall are actually placed on the wall beneath the chalkboard. Nice. Because they're yeah. at the same height that mm-hmm. the little ones are. So I can go up and I can touch those words. Right. They're not well, uh, between yes. the board and the ceiling where yeah. I, I can't touch it, I can't feel it, I, can't, I have no access to that. Yeah. So we've seen teachers really being mindful kind of from the, the learner's eye perspective of where things are placed in the room. That's wonderful. And really paying attention to the flow, to Lori's point, of where we want our eyes trained so that I don't have to um, push things out because it's too much in my visual field, but in fact there are um, uh, purposes to what we are looking at. And um, I think that really supports the learning. When we talk about this idea of shared space in a school and not so much claiming um, this is my uh, room, but opening that up to sharing, I think that speaks to the culture in the school of Mm -hmm. collaboration, of what we need to do to put our learners first. Another another tell for us that speaks to the um, culture in the building and kind of our core values and beliefs are when we look at the student work that's displayed and I've done a lot of self-reflection on this myself um, and wish I wish I could go back and change some things. Um, I look at the work that's displayed and is it only the exemplar work? Oh, yeah. Is it only the Hall mm-hmm. of Fame work? What the, what the teacher would say was the work that was mastered or is there a balance where the work that is being displayed is evidence of the progress of the learning and so we're celebrating right. mistakes we're celebrating unfinished yeah. uh, uh, unfinished pieces because that's part of the learning process right. and there's value awesome. to look at that um, we're in a school in um, Ohio and the um, class code uh, of collaboration if you will was that all of the students work was displayed. Oh, that's um, beautiful. And so it wasn't yeah. a it wasn't a well you three because you're my best and, and right. you know you've got the gold star. But yeah. all of the work was displayed and then the kids had a reflection on what that work showed or meant to them about where they were in the learning process. There you go. So the space became almost a, a curatorial model that's where awesome. it supported the learning. Yes. That is awesome when yes. you see that. That's how it should be. That is awesome. Oh. That is awesome. Something else I was thinking about as as I'm listening to Robin talk and we're reflecting on this and we are, she talked about the letters being below the bulletin board for the younger, younger learners. I was a high school teacher. And so I think as we're, again, privileged to be able to walk through schools where we can go from elementaries to middles to high, mm-hmm. there is a drastic difference where I think there's just these environment-rich 
colors and walls and lamps and warmth and welcoming at the elementary and kind of that primary level. And then you can go to the high school and there might, I mean, it's a, that's a sharp transition for a student to go from this overstimulation where it might look like my living room to, to now I'm in a, a concrete block, a concrete block <laughs> where it is barren and it feels very, you know, I mean, cold. that's, yeah. that's cold. Yeah. And so a student going from one grade level to the next, there's no real transition there. Um, to what that looks like at the upper grades in terms of that, those yeah. stark walls that don't have much in terms of engaging my mind. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We, we've also seen it play out with, um, in flexible learning environments, uh, this, this uh, thought around furniture. Uh-huh. And so options for kids to have flexible seating, which we absolutely love and support and um, want to want to encourage folks to do and so teachers that have taken the time to have uh, the table legs lowered right uh, for the size of the kids yeah. um, teachers that have brought in carpet squares and kids bring in rugs and little beanbag chairs and stools and right. the, the bouncy balls uh, from yeah. the, the exercise mm. um, the exercise places where just lots of lots of places to sit I remember when I was teaching eighth grade reading and we would have a, a day when you were you got to be with your book, you're reading. My kids would literally, and they were 13 and 14 years mm-hmm. old, they would curl up on the hard linoleum in a corner, right. um, you know, and, and read there because it was different than that seat that was seat. so confining with the desk attached. Oh, the attached desk. Right, the oh, attached so desks. Was we just stopped just making Just awful. Stop making right. But I thought, you know, and so what would it look like if I had really gone to more extent than I went right. to and provided some places where the kids and I wasn't telling them where they were where they needed to sit to do the task yeah. they were choosing that and we were mindful about who they were as learners and where they needed to sit to be successful and I wasn't deciding that for kids or I shouldn't have been deciding that for kids was there an opportunity that kids could have decided that for yeah, themselves totally. so oh, I love this conversation I really feel like in a lot of ways, when we're talking about personalized learning, it's, it's really easy to just go right to the curriculum, right? But then all those other things are just as important. And even right now, I'm thinking, you know, like, so like thinking about, well, how does a building need to be more flexible or change? How do all those other um, structures and um, um, uh, structures need to change you know like even the lunch schedule how lunch is made in the kitchen all of those things how buses work like it's just there's layers upon layers upon layers and it's so easy to just focus on the instruction and I wonder if spending more time thinking about those other ways to personalize and be flexible might actually be a way to bring more even more people in absolutely I we yeah. saw you know we see a lot of the flexible seating and a lot of the flexible options, but I think it's you can tell when teachers and students and parents and you know people that work in the cafeteria or you know people that drive the buses that they're intentional about why yeah. they're giving those flexible options or trying right. to provide those options and teach kids how to make um, informed decisions because it again impacts learning. Right. And so you see sometimes the classroom that has you know they have clothes baskets and they have everything from a clothes basket to a couch but again it's based on is the student's behavior was it good that day so they get to sit on the couch right, it's, a reward. it's a reward it's a reward and right. incentive right. and it's yeah. not a choice because I feel like in order for me to really dig into this book 
I don't want to sit in this rigid, hard chair. This is going to help me feel in the space of I can really immerse myself in this book versus I'm going to work with a partner on this so it's good for us to be here. Right. We even saw a teacher, and it was at the elementary level, but I thought it was amazing when SEL is on everyone's mind. You know, that's a that's a big term that we're talking about these days. She had taken her husband's um, van seats, and they had the seatbelts. And so for students with anxiety oh, that yeah. need that weighted, oh, like, the seatbelt, and she said the students really like to buckle in, and some of them loved that feeling of being supported, and then they sat there to do their work. And so I love the intentionality to what's the reason a kid, other than it's pretty cool to sit in a van seat with my right. seatbelt on, why might that really help <laughs> some students, right? Yeah. Right. Why yeah. might that help me not think about my anxiety or lower my anxiety so that I have the ability to do what it is that I need to do today? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. So, so good. So cool. Well, you know, you think about yourself as an adult, and I think about when I'm, when I'm at home and I'm working and I have a task to do, and there are some times when I can sit on the couch or I can sit out on my screen and porch sure. in the wicker chair with a you know with my with my computer and, and do some things and that may work. But then I also know when I have a report a that deadline. I must finish, a deadline, um, a PowerPoint and a professional development session that I'm putting together, I get really serious and I know that I'm sitting at my desk or at the dining room table and I've got what I yep. need in front of me and I am like on it right. because right. I recognize what I need to get the job done. Right. So what does that look like when we're helping our learners understand who they are and we're providing those spaces yeah. within our room so that that happens and they own that. Amazing. So Ina calls coming up. It is. And not only will people have the chance to see uh, Matt and I there, but um, Robin and Lori, you guys are going to be there too. We will. We're excited. Yeah. Nashville. Yeah. So, we'll uh, be in so, Nashville. So what are you offering? Are you doing any sessions? Can people spend time with you? Tell us. Talk. Yeah. Yeah. So Robin and I are, are doing a pre-conference session with the states of South Carolina and North Dakota. So we're going to be talking about the state level personalized competency-based learning initiatives that are going on in those two states. So that's nice. going to be that's going to be amazing because they're really going after that at the going in at the state level, thinking about policy decisions right. um, and how that impacts um, how that how teachers are able to approach that in the classroom, and then. Um, I'm doing another session about data-driven uh-huh. um, and how we're making decisions and can help use data to inform personalization Fantastic. Uh, at the classroom level. I'll be supporting um, Marysville, Ohio, and they're talking about some social-emotional learning targets and how they're thinking about that in their districts. And so um, we're there to network and to learn, like all of you, and um, really to lean into this work uh, so we can help uh, help folks continue in the journey. Yep, we are. KnowledgeWorks is also having a reception um, where we will be with Education Reimagined and Next Gen Learning. So we will host a reception and... Um, yeah, we'll be there. We'll Matt and I will be there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah we're going to be there. Be able to see all of us there. <laughs> yeah. um, and that would be a time to have more, you know, casual conversations yeah. and network and, and those pieces. So we're excited about that. And if you see us, we, we're all about listening to your stories mm-hmm. and having you share your good work because that's how, that's how we learn and that's how we can help amplify and lift up the voices um, to celebrate the work that we're doing in this shift to personalize learning. So if you're coming by at Anacal, stop by the Voices Hub and meet me and Courtney. <laughs> meet, yeah, meet me. us, meet us. <laughs> and um, and uh, we put you on tape and then put you on the podcast. We can do that too. 
So um, as always, rate, review, find us on iTunes. You can follow us at PLearnMC. Um, Matt is at C, nope. Yeah, you eat, don't know, do you? At Eat Sleep Stats. <laughs> I know it. I knew it. I'm at Below Lynn C. Uh, we're, on, we're on Facebook. Facebook. So Robin and Lori are, yeah, Robin and Lori are also on Twitter. Yeah. Go ahead and tell us what they are. I'm, I'm at Robin Kanan, K-A-N-A-A-N. I'm at Lori Phillips, 1026, and it only has one L because I spelled my name wrong. <laughs> That's and it is great forever. <laughs> so I've decided to leave it that history. way. Right. So our schedule is going to change a little bit over the next couple of weeks, Courtney. This is true. We'll have one out next week before yep. we leave. And then, and then we're going to have like 30. <laughs> yeah. Then we're going to put out a ton of stuff yeah. in about 10 days or so from now. Right. Uh, with all our different interviews and uh, thoughts and reflections on Ina Call. So look for a ton of stuff in your feed. Yes. Very soon. All right. So thanks, everyone. Thank you, Robin and Lori. Thanks for, thanks having, for us. having us. It was fun. Awesome. awesome. We will talk. Yay!